and welcome to the next episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Oatari Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who thinks the Greeks got it all wrong, should have just abandoned linear storytelling altogether. It's completely played out. <laughs> I mean, really, it wasn't. The problem wasn't that the Greeks did every story one could possibly con- conceive of as a story. Uh, I particularly really love uh, Homer's tales of space pirates what? uh but <laughs> but the real problem is that when the romans took over greek culture as we know they did uh they didn't they didn't invent anything new there they just rehashed all the greek stuff Yo, so here's my thing on this is that like that is a it is a very weird com- like bit of his conversation where he i understand wanting to like promote your thoughts on art i get it completely but the idea that like Linear storytelling is played out and there's nothing new under the sun is silly. It is a very silly thing to say. Especially when he goes on to say, and there's nothing wrong with linear storytelling. It has its place. It's just like the getting drunk of making movies. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. He goes on to describe the idea that like, well, it's for escapism. And why would you want to escape when you have so much limited time and such limited time in your life? I'm like... Brackage. <laughs> At one point, you're living in your car. Think this through, my man. Yes. Oh, man. I don't understand why people would need escapism. Uh, capitalism, my man, yeah, is what yeah, I wrote in my uh, notes. You've been in it for a long time. It's right around you. Yeah. You are you are living an escapist life, Brackage. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's <laughs> the thing, right, is that like by the time he's making these uh, recordings, these interviews, he's it's been... How many decades since he, in theory, had a what one would consider a normal job? Yeah, yeah. He's lost. I mean, he's lost touch with the common man. It is possible that that the brackage on brackage stuff is drawn from interviews he gave while he was a film professor at Bol- University of Colorado Boulder, which I think is the closest he ever comes to having, having a real, a real job. job. I Yeah, but I kind of assume that Brackage is <laughs> like a very specific category of professor that like we've all had, where like a regular job is a stretch. Pat, before we get into the movie this week, I do want to talk a little about our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash lostincriterion. Over there for a dollar a month, you can help keep us going and get access to some bonus content. Every month over there, we do a non-criterion film that uh, our supporters get to vote on what we're going to watch. I put together a list of four films, and the fifth option is always Kazam, the 1996 children's movie starring Shaquille O'Neal as a genie. Uh, that they made us watch twice, and I'm so glad they haven't made us watch more. And yeah, we probably should just really <laughs> replace the fifth option. We've got uh, we've got over 60 bonus episodes over there. We've been doing we've been doing this for a long time. That's one a month every month except for December when we do our uh, celebratory uh, end of year holiday extravaganza, which is a non criterion film that we talk about with friends. On the main podcast, yeah. the more the merrier. We we try to yeah, get that number merrier. as high as humanly possible, yes. and it's just getting more and more out of hand. In the 
in the northern hemisphere at least it is the colder months so we like to huddle together uh and breathe on one another to warm ourselves up um <laughs> through talking yeah that, we like that, to that... all try to talk at the same time to hopefully heat <laughs> yeah. up the air while i sit here and, and and freeze to death in the cold alone thank you for that sad story for just <laughs> for less than a cup of coffee a day <laughs> you can help pat you can help pat have lights have lights my uh subscribing to our patreon now uh it is just a dollar a month for for access to this bonus content to uh that whole back catalog of bonus episodes and uh it really helps keep us going and we're so happy for our one dollar supporters a little above that at five dollars for folks who can afford to help us out a little bit more we like to thank those people on air Thank you so much to Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, and Stephen Goldmeyer, our current $5 yes, supporters. A bit above that, we do something pretty dang special. Pat makes a piece of art based on one of the movies we watched recently. I get that printed up on a postcard and mail that off once a month with a little personalized thank you note. We also like to thank those folks on air. Thank you so much to Tracy McGrath, Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, Jason Westhaber, and Adam Speakerman, our current yes, $10 you. and above supporters. If you want to see those postcards uh, before you commit to the $10 mark, or if you want to buy the older postcards, what ones are available, you can head over to redbubble.com, search for Lost and Criterion there. We got most of them up. There have been. If you want to see the secret ones, just contact yeah. us. We can hook yeah, you up. Yeah, you know the back channels. Look us up in Minecraft. We'll get you the the illegal, <laughs> the, the illegal the ones that they don't want you to see. The man <laughs> the ones doesn't want you to see. Um, yeah, but all the rest, you can head over to redbubble.com, buy them there, and uh, thank you so much to everybody who has purchased postcards, stickers, buttons through. Redbubble, thanks to everybody who supports us on Patreon, and thanks for listening. Yes, thank you so much. Pat, this week we are in our final program. We've done six weeks of brackage. Well, we've done five weeks of brackage. This is week number six. Um, I already consider myself done. I I do. I, I get that. I think that taking all six episodes was the right choice. No, I agree. But also, I'm still, I'm still done with. Brackage. I am so happy to. I, like, here's the thing: I have grown to legitimately admire what yeah. Brackage does Absolutely. in a way that I didn't in the first one because we just didn't we didn't treat it with the sort of respect that it deserved. I yeah. mean, we liked it, but like we, you know what I mean? Like doing it all, doing what was probably similarly six hours worth of material or something like that in like a single sitting essentially was not doing, was not giving it the, the respect it deserves. Uh, yeah. And as such, I didn't really internalize it as much as I did this time. I, this has been, I've really enjoyed this. We ran into a problem. We've run into a problem where like it, where there was a sweet spot somewhere between the two or probably I, I, what I think it is more is the way that this is all built, right? You're not supposed to consume this this way, right? Yeah. Like, we've encountered this a lot with Criterion before, but very specifically because most Criterion stuff is linear storytelling, you you are supposed to consume that movie or whatever in one sitting. That is how movies work, right? Yes. You are not supposed to sit down and try to watch an hour and a half of bracket shorts right. over the course of, right. like, a few days. That's just not... And this is 
this is true for the other short film collections we've yep, encountered yeah, yeah. in the Criterion Collection. There's really only the one that I can think of right now, and that was Science is Fiction, the, the collection of documentary yeah, and that, shorts. It was a, and that one I was able to spread out a little bit better. The, I have been yeah. with Brackage in a lot of ways, but yeah. The fact, they... They are also individual stories that are able to differentiate because right. there's no yes, yeah. there's no bleeding between them, right. right? In a way that Brackage's works are they're complete works, right? Each and of themselves, but uh, because he is he has a limited amount of things he does. Right. Each of them is great and wonderful and beautiful. And he mixes them at times yep. into very interesting things. And he does he does films that are purely one of those things sometimes. Uh, but because they are non-narrative, they do kind of bleed together. Well, right. Uh, in it, my memory and in my mind. Right. It, there it are... is, and he is also extremely prolific. Like he made yes. a lot of stuff. So what you yes. run into is a, is a museum. It, it is is the sort of problems that museum of museums of modern art sometimes run into and work very hard to help with, which is helping the viewer, the, 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 those who are there to view the works to form a separation and a sort of, and a, and a distinction between the works, right? Especially when you're looking at the works of a single artist, right? Where, where you need that the audience needs help to, create barriers in their minds between the different ones right to like contextualize them without context a lot of these you know you need that you need the little plate at the bottom of the fucking piece of art that helps you understand it like you just need it it helps to to be clear with the with the criterion channel uh or with the criterion release there's not a lot (laughs) right and so maybe the criterion collection box set is a bit of a failure in that capacity as well now, if, yeah. mind you, you buy it and you have it on your shelf and you're like, well, I'm in a brackage mood today and you pop in one you haven't watched and you watch a few, you know, you maybe watch a couple 20 minute, you know, 15 minute ones and then you wrap it up and you let those sink in and then those, you know, sit in your mind for a while and then, you know, maybe a week or two later you do the same thing. Well, it's a different experience. You're doing it in a way that like you are right. personally forming separation between them. Uh, whereas we just, we don't have that luxury. We still only have a week between, between them that we can work with. Um, and, and, and it does become a bit of a problem. Now, mind you, this particular set, this part of the anthology is pretty well defined. Each one is pretty distinct within itself. I feel because we're at the very end and it feels like this is a sort of wrap up where we're getting a lot of kind of like end of his career, you know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't yeah. know. They, they feel different than a lot of the stuff sort of in the middle in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, part of the Criterion release that is very interesting that I haven't really talked about uh, is sort of liner notes from Marilyn Brackage, his, right. his um, wife at the time of his death, um, who also produces the film um, or made the film um, – for Stan, right? I figured the that, bonus features yeah. we'll talk about I think this. It says that at the this week or something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but they're interesting because it's she takes it program by program, and and writes two or three or four paragraphs about each program, uh, 
or at least the way it gets edited is as if it's by, program by program. She's really talking about it chronologically, and it probably exists without the program demarcations right, in, yeah. in what she wrote. And that's an editorial thing that got added later. Um, so because of that, she doesn't... There's an inconsistent amount of information about each film. Right, I got you. Well, right, and right, also, yeah, that makes sense. Also, she'll talk about films that aren't part of the anthology, uh, that were indicative of the of the sort of thing he was doing at the time. Uh, so, you know, if you just you've watched Program Six, if you just go and read the Program Six section, uh, well, within the Program Six section, she doesn't even mention "I take these truths." Right. She mentions "I take these truths" in the very last sentence of Section Five. Uh, where she compares it to from First Hymn of the Night, Novalis, the 1994 one, the final one of C- Program 5 that we watched, as uh, uh, indicative of the sorts of painting films and scratched, scratch films that he was making toward the end of his life. Um, but yeah, that's, that's all she has to say on I Take These right, Truths. Right. <laughs> So, uh, you know, she calls it a tour de force, but she doesn't really get into it. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's, there is more context and there isn't more context in a, in a, in a weird, weird way. Cause occasionally we'll get a lot of information about a film, uh, from that and, and otherwise. We well, don't. it's, it's, then, it's like those, um, those sort of like, um. When you try to read, uh, it, it's like the difference between like a museum sort of companion book and then like just like right. reading this, like the bio, like a short biography of the artist ahead of time and then trying to walk through the museum and like put two and two together, right? They're very yeah. different experiences, right? Yeah. The, uh, the other written piece that accompanies this criterion release, well, there's actually a couple others. There's Fred Camper t- uh, talking about some of the films as well. And then there's an essay from Mark Toscana of the Academy Film Archive talking about the preservation of the films, which is interesting, but not not to actually talk about like Right, right. Talking I mean, about the I, films being preserved and talking about the actual Just Because I, work. I was wondering yeah. quite a bit about that because of how weirdly generated these films are. Yeah. The efforts to get them into like a permanent form that can yeah. be like reshown many, many times is probably quite challenging. Yeah, that that is interesting because you know they're they're material pieces, right? Right, they're right, exactly. Physical. Like, and even the way he talks about them in some of the by brackage stuff is uh, brackage on brackage stuff is quite interesting because of the way he views his films, uh, the way he sort of thinks of them as sort of almost collages that he's putting together on like, tries to view them all simultaneously, like all the work parts of it all simultaneously and stuff. You really get the understanding that's like this is much more akin to a painting or something in the sense that like okay, but like if we want people to be able to see this forever, we're going to have to like manipulate it to some extent to make it permanent because you threw celluloid in into a microwave or into like an oven and then ran that through a projector. That looks very cool. But we can't just store half cooked film stock in a in a canister forever and have expected to exist 10 years from now. Like that's just not going to work. So it has to be rendered onto some permanent form, right? Like 
It's very interesting. That that is a very interesting idea to think about, and it's something I think about a lot when I'm watching these. Is like, I wonder what pains some people had to go through to get this like properly digitized. Well, unfortunately, it is not something that was super interesting to me, so I did not spend a lot of time. Well, with that essay. I don't know that I'm. Ever, I I'm curious about it. I did not know if that was a thing. I might try to read yeah. it sometime, but it won't be relevant to this. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, let's let's dive in and talk yes, about let, the films. Yes, let's. So the first one chronologically is I Take These Truths, um, which is... It is also interesting that at this time is when we finally start getting um, proper title cards that I can read. <laughs> We've actually had that for a little while now, but like yeah. include copyright dates and stuff. And like right, are and they're like not... Physically yeah. comprehensible to my eyes. Because Brackage's scratch writing on, on this film talk is interesting. But also, like, very hard for me to read. Like, incredibly challenging yeah. for me to read. Yeah. So, this one is purely paint, I believe. Um, it might, it's about 17 minutes like long. It's from 1995. But I don't know. There, yes, yes. It is paint and scratching. Yes. Um, yeah. But there is no, there is no uh, film material here. Right. Like, filmed object. Yeah, yeah. It, it uh, is a, we saw some of these types in the last anthology. That are like yeah. a fair number of them of the pure paint right, works. right, right, yeah. Um, and for a pure paint work, this is very long, uh, a length. None of the paint work we've seen right. in the rest of Volume Two has been this long. Um, and honestly, it was a little too long for me. I, it's I nearly eighteen agree. minutes. I think I yeah. think him treating them as songs that are like roughly three minutes long is a really a, a very yeah well considered approach right like and of of course in in viewing it as a as songs uh he can occasionally view one as a symphony and and that's sort of what's going on here yeah yeah that's true i i tend i i do have a i like i said i admire what brackage is doing i i take a lot of i i mentally have started i've taken a lot of cues in my mind from brackage and stuff like that but that being said, I tend to fundamentally disagree with Brackage on his understanding of visual versus auditory art. He yeah. is, and I'm going to say this as in, in blunt terms, wrong. Human beings do not process <laughs> visual information and audio information in the same way. Absolutely. Like you, like, you can close your eyes and listen to a symphony for 20 minutes or an hour or two it like and 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 it will transport you in a way that staring at a right. screen but where it's, things 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 happen just won't do the reason that symphony connects with your brain is that you're closing your eyes and you're imagining a visual accompaniment to it right in a way that does not work you can't do it in the other direction I mean, you can't do it in the other room. I mean, people can. I, I'm sure people can. Like, I, you could. People can make audio things. I cannot this. do it in the other direction. But also, <laughs> you're. But also, the thing about it is, I, but even then, you don't have to. You don't have to close your eyes and imagine anything to get joy out of music, because right. of the way brains work, music right. and visual data are not processed in the same way. Your also brain true. can just uh, can just take in sound and drive like pleasure from sound in a way that it doesn't from visual media in the same way, especially not. I like I, I like I said I think Brackage's stuff is very cool looking. I like it really very much, but seventeen minutes is a lot of just very yeah. fast moving paint. Right, 
It just yeah. is. It and just, some of it is a lot. Some of it is very, very interestingly fast moving. Uh, um, as it starts to cycle faster at like around the two minute mark, and we get uh, a pure black screen, which is like bursts of white. They're almost like mm. flowery or, or ropey colors coming down through the black. There's an instance where uh, it's almost like uh, it's a black background, and it's almost like snow or dust getting caught in the light coming at the camera, uh, which is really interesting, but also sort of reminded me of like the Blair Witch Project of, yeah, of yeah. things coming out there's of the some, dark woods. There's some kind of like almost horror-y elements to a couple of the ones that we saw. Like in a very abstract way, very horror feelings to them. They feel yeah, yeah. particularly sort of right after the the snowy, dusty stuff. There's like colors that are like boiling into the sc- right. uh, into the blackness in a weird way. Um, and again, it is very visually appealing and very interesting. And there's a lot going on here. It's not like it's the same patterns over and over again. Like most of the end sequence, where it's a white background. Uh, I know obviously this isn't what he did, but it almost feels like just a hyper close up of a constantly rolling like jawbreaker, like one of those really big ones yeah. where it's white with just the splashes of color. Just um But this is eighteen minutes long and even before I got halfway through, I was like, How much time is left? Yeah, I no, get it, Brackage. And, and this one What's going on? You are <laughs> running into the problem. Yeah, exactly. Same here is like you're like this fifteen minutes or whatever feels like forty five minutes. Yeah. It just it does every and I think part of the problem we run into that we didn't run into the ones with like actual footage mixed in as much is that like what it you know, to to not to like keep like sort of like looping back to the same sort of argument I mentally in my head have with Brackage every time we see something like this is musicians also don't generally do their musical work in the way that Brackage does. Right. In the sense that like Brackage is is now I mind you he's like working with intention but like he's not making what how do I explain this like this feels like a lot of like like the equivalent of like electronic noise in a yeah in like a in he some is. sort of synthetic music where it's like well at some point you like there's still unless it is truly just extreme avant-garde like audio art which yeah. which you very rarely in my experience encounter because people want melodies yeah which are essentially the sort of musical it version is, of linear storytelling right like they, yes. they, they these have are, structure yeah these are the visual equivalents of the sort of music that occasionally we get accompanying these films right in that experimental non-repetitive uh and i don't even i don't mean repetitive negatively there i mean that music as as the normal person enjoys music and certainly a person can enjoy that more more experimental stuff but that experimental stuff is exists in contrapoint to right normal established music which universally has repetition has motifs has uh now even if it doesn't have a chorus so to speak as pop music often does it still has repeating structure Right. To build a pattern, right, 
Yeah, and and uh, the lack of pattern is well. And so the interesting thing is, is with the music that sometimes we've encountered accompanying this is, like you get more into the sort of framework of like, is sort of like an experimental audio, yeah, technician more really than than artist in a lot of ways. Which is like, check out these really wicked ass cool sounds I can make with this thing, right, which is great right. for and like even, three minutes, and then you're like, holy shit, man, I can't listen to seventeen minutes of your seven even, your wicked ass cool sounds. Even the guys who first started doing purely experimental stuff like that, like the, the, the music concrete guys of, of the sixties doing early electronic and even, even earlier, they were doing really interesting experimental things with experimental sounds, but ultimately even they were building to make music. Right. Right. And I think of, uh, you know, the Pierre Henry stuff that we've talked about previous because he's shown up in other films that we've watched. Uh, you know, he he is producing. I mean, essentially pop music by the end of it, <laughs> um, in a lot of ways, but with still these these avant garde sounds. Um, yeah, and the 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 British who are doing that experimental uh, electronic in in they're they're more using like found objects to make it, but they're still making music with those found objects. Right. Right. Uh, and of course, you know, we've talked about the music. We'll talk later today about the music used with one and the music we've talked about previously from Jack Collins with other brackage work that we watched in the last few weeks is purely experimental stuff. Stuff that average person on the street may not even categorize as music. Right. And right? and and you and you know, and you might and I find, they might not be wrong, right? Like I mean, yeah. like because like what defines music you're right. In general, you would probably categorize it as like a combination of melodies and rhythms, right? Like, yeah. And I do find the previous stuff, at least, um, interesting to listen to apart from Brackage's visuals. Right. I think they work really well in Congress, but uh, while while I say the average person may not term that as music, uh, we could get philosophical about the label, but. I still find it enjoyable to hear. Well, and what what becomes interesting is is that, oddly enough, because of the nature of like just sort of almost sound, right? Like they add an even when the mu- even when the music, whether we call it music or not, when it's added onto the bracket stuff, it adds it generates by its nature almost structure, despite the music itself not yeah. really having a structure in terms of like melody or rhythm right, or anything right, like that. Right. It's just the two working together. Suddenly, it feels like you're watching. A thing that is progressing through time and not just an eternal like morphing of color, right? Um, the, somehow, like the the sound adds a time element that like Brackage's work doesn't have right. on its own, and that's kind of the the problem I run into with Brackage is that in my mind, Brackage thinks of it as music, visual music, but I tend to in my head I will never be able to let go of the fact that in actuality, the way I see Brackage is more akin to, especially this stuff, uh, is more akin to. What if an abstract painting was alive? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like I think tru- like truly, ab- like really intensely, truly, you know, abstract work that that is that is mostly playing around with color and shapes and and not really concerned necessarily with like rendering anything from the world around it necessarily, but like alive and just yeah. moving. I think I think it's a terminology issue too because I think we sort of. In in the early episodes of Volume Two, 
you know, five weeks ago, we started calling it visual poetry yeah. before we encountered him calling it visual music. And I think visual poetry gives us certain tools to approach this that are different to the tools that yes. that yeah. are brought to us in calling it visual music. That are even, I think, I think visual music even gives us different tools than if he had referred to them as visual songs. Right. Um, visual music, I don't know. There's just the way he approaches it. They're finite pieces. And approaching them as as poems or individual songs is different than right. Yeah, I, I sort of the concept agree. of music. Yeah, I, think. I mean, uh, it, it really the music thing is is his way of thinking about it, but it it leads us down a, a weird rabbit yeah. hole. But you know, I mean, like it, he in like the first volume, he talked about like Jackson Pollock and things like that a little bit. I vaguely remember. I can barely yeah. remember. Uh, but like. It's very easy for me to see that that connection there in the painted stuff and be like, oh yeah, like imagine that stuff could like move around on the canvas and just was like yeah. alive and in the, of its own accord. That works great, but I can't watch that for seventeen minutes. I can watch right, that for right, like right. a minute or two or three and be like engrossed in like just letting myself sort of sink into the visual. Sort of yeah, the, the, I think like uh, I think ten's about my limit, but yes, what um. I think ten might be about my limit, more maybe a little more than you, but I, well, also I like not, three because not seventeen. It, it, three feels very ingestible. <laughs> three, I don't right, know why. Right, I I, I do agree. Long, um, I I think maybe you said this way back in volume one, uh, but I think this is particularly true of uh, of I hold these truths or I take these truths. Uh, each frame is. Like a masterpiece, yeah, no, totally. of 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 visual art, but especially one with eighteen minutes, we're talking thousands, yeah, thousands, thousands of, of individually of beautiful inc- of paintings. incredibly individual abstract paintings, right? And because each one is its own frame that like immediately replaces the previous one, the only way I can really truly like get into them and enjoy them is the way I would enjoy other kinds of abstract video art or something like that, which is sort of just allow it to wash over me, right? To just sort of sink yeah. into it. But the thing about letting yourself sink into a thing and let it wash over you is that you kind of get into a bit of a trance-like state pretty easily, and before you know it, you're actually just asleep. Right, <laughs> right. You're not, you're not consuming it. Yeah, you know, and so there's like a real yeah. fine line there. And the thing is, I think one of Brackage's sort of failings in this, and this is a complaint from a, maybe a bit of a, a you know, a, a, quite a bit of an, an amateur viewer of his work, but like, is not knowing when what is too much, right? Like not knowing when, like, because it, it his art is very much about his expression and not the consumption by other people, right? So he feels he has 18 minutes worth or 17 minutes worth of stuff he needs to share. Yeah. But we as an audience, that's over probably most people's limit about what they can actually take in. Right. Right. Uh, right. I mean, who knows? Everybody's different, right? Maybe for some people, 18 minutes is a walk in the park. I I find that that person special, probably. Yeah. Like they, they, they have a special tolerance for this. Like I would, most people, if you are not being forced into it for a podcast, uh, most of the people of my very, very limited sample group got bored after about 30 seconds of life. (laughs) 
your limited sample group of your your children. Yeah, my my but, wife and my children. My wife will yes. stick it out, but she also has a phone that she can read while it's like flashing yes, around on the yes, screen. Yes. My children will go, "Oh, okay, you're I, you're watching this again, huh? How long is it?" And I explain, and they're like, "Okay, I'm gonna leave." I would be very interested in finding out which painted film uh, Tarkovsky saw. I would too. That would really make my day to know that. Or at least how long it was. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing, right? Is it like Tarkovsky goes, most presumably went to museums and shit. So, right. And had seen, and like, it's not like, like, Brackers was also introducing him to the to the novelties of like highly abstract art or something like that. Right, right. It's just like, you know, like you gotta like you gotta know your audience and like I'm sure he could appreciate something short. But also maybe he saw wait, didn't he see what all did he see? Because didn't he mention like did he say uh the the baby one? Window water. So like maybe that was a bad first impression. Yeah, window window water baby movie he saw, um, which obviously it's, it could get you off on the wrong foot. Basically, get you off on the wrong your, foot. Your child be born. Yeah, and we know that he also saw a painted one because he had the reaction of, "What is this paint? What are you even <laughs> yeah, doing?" Okay, yeah, that's true. I forgot. <laughs> and yeah, then started right. ranting about ranting about art, um, or or artistic merit of film. Um, so so I would be very interested in knowing. I don't even know exactly what year that took place, so I don't know. I, I couldn't even begin to guess. No, no, we on, have no idea on what but, film it might be. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if it if it were a a reasonable length one, and he reacted, "What is this paint?" Uh, I I get it, but also if it were like an eighteen minute long one, <laughs> he's just like having to sweat through it. Like, yes, oh God, which, which is honestly just very funny to me. Uh, so. Um, yeah, well, uh, I don't have a lot to say about. I wonder. It's very pretty. Yeah, it is a very. Pretty it is very piece pretty. Of work. It is very. But the thing pretty. is, you're left with you have like 18 minutes worth of frames in your head now, and you're yeah. like, okay, but like, I can't process this. Like, I can't. I can't ingest yeah. it actually. And I will say, I will say, I, I think it's pretty, and I think it's art. No, I agree. But it is still too long. <laughs> yeah. uh, what do you think about the title there? I take these truths. I um, I derive I like at this point like if you look at the names of all of the ones in this program I have no fucking clue what's going on with Brackett yeah. at the end of his life here towards the end yeah. of his life I, it's very strange stuff I wonder uh, if it is a reference to we hold these truths to be self evident yeah which I have to assume it is uh, so life liberty and the pursuit of happiness in here uh, sure. It's Brackage doing what he wants to do for 18 minutes. I can get that. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. I mean, but like, yeah, I don't know. I, I kind of like Brackage's titles here. Are, these are the least helpful titles we've ever had right, from Brackage. Right, yes. Like, right. R- like really. Well, this like, one honest. particularly, but yes, yes. I think some of the others in this set get a little better, but this one particularly, yes. Uh, well, moving on, next chronologically from 1997, we get the 14-minute long the cat of the worm's green realm. Is that uh, a, this, is that like a poetry reference or something? What is that? I I don't know that it's a reference to anything particular other than the fact that there's a cat and a worm and a green realm in this film. I was uh, really trying to figure out like like because I was hoping his like little speech about it would like 
like sort of clarify that. Nope. And I'm like, all right, dude. No, like, uh, all right. No clarity about whether or not this is a reference. No clarity from uh, from the liner notes about whether or not this is a reference. Um, Googling the phrase cat of the worms only brings up this film. So, okay, so it's not, it's definitely not yeah. a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I, yeah, no, it's just, I was like, I like kind of was racking my brain. I was like, you know, cause this is like, we're back to actual film. We're f- back to actual film yes. footage, which is, which is neat stuff. You know, I, it is. It is weird. Like mentally, I associate Brackage with the painted film, and I like his painted work quite a bit. But I also enjoy. I really what he does. I really, it. really enjoy Brackage doing filmed light. Yes, he is uh, very good. His his work with yeah. light is phenomenal. It is it is quite good. Um, he plays with color through various sort of sort of natural filters here, quite yes. a bit, which are neat. Um, the leaves and the greens and the white of snow melting, bluish of snow melting and the sky behind it and the light playing through the crystals of the snow melting. And then later we get the autumnal colors of the browns and the and the oranges uh, and the earthworm and the dirt. And yeah, it's this this feels like a visual poem in in a way where it is. I don't know exactly what it's saying. But I understand it's saying something, which is not something right. I got from from I take right. these. I truths. mean, and then we were kind of getting into that in the last one here is that like just the physical presence of things that you can identify as as physical objects in the world ground yeah. you in a way that like the other ones don't. Right? Like even though there's not, there may not be a narrative, but like because these are things that are alive and real they feel like they exist with intention and therefore feel like there must be a narrative and that that narrative can be like, as you said, like, I don't know what it is, but it, it must be there. There must be something going on here. It must be saying something. And like, you know, obviously the other works are too. Um, the difference is, is that because they are purely abstract, like we can never really a hundred percent, like, unless he tells us know what's going on in Brackage's head, but we can physically mentally understand what a worm and a cat are. Right. You know what I mean? Like, we, we see them and we understand what they are. Now, mind you, do I understand that's a worm? Eh, debatable. Does yeah. my brain work not so good? Yes, it does right, not right, work right, so good. Right. Yeah, but, you know, one of, one of the foundational aspects of poetry is uh, establishing two objects and connecting them in a way that metaphorically means something, right? Uh, and... I can see that that is happening here in a way that I do not fully grasp exactly what is happening here. But, uh, yeah. And obviously the title does not help here. (laughs) No, no, no. The the title is just a phrase combining three aspects of this film into a single phrase. He took three the three things that are in this film and connected them with essentially like nonsensical particles it does it's like oh yes like they one's possessing the other none of it makes sense but like hey it does remind me of a poetry assignment i had in my undergrad of uh that that led me to quitting the class um basically i was trying to take a creative writing class and for some reason my uh my advisor kept goofing it up and also 
it wasn't really my advisor's fault because the college course catalog had three very different creative writing classes under the same class number oh, with yeah, subheadings. Oh, no, yeah, I went through that, yeah. Uh, so the first one I ended up in was uh, uh, journalism class that I'm like, no, this isn't what I want. Drop this. Uh, and, then, and then I went to the first class of the next one. The next semester was uh, was this poetry writing class. And then finally, third tries a charm. I got into the actual creative fiction writing class right. that I wanted. Uh, but, uh, but the poetry one started the first assignment, uh, which was given day one for for class two, which also is was very abnormal for uh, my college experience. Day one was almost always just, let's do the syllabus and then, <laughs> or yeah. a little orientation and we'll get into actual classwork soon. But, uh, but the first assignment was, uh, draw a map of your childhood, putting places on it that represent different events of your childhood. Draw a line connecting two of those places that may not seem to connect. Write a poem representing that line. And then the last, the last instruction, which I remember forever. Uh, have you succeeded in creating another world? If not, go back and try again. Um, oh. <laughs> it'll like I was I was on board for yeah, it most yeah, of the way, and then right. you get to that last step, and it's like yeah. ah fuck off. And um, and honestly, it is it is probably a really great way to introduce an audience that has never tried to write poetry before to writing poetry. I think it's a phenomenal assignment for that. That last sentence uh, sticks with me because it's just it's just bad. I mean, whatever you're yeah. trying to do there, uh, you could do it in a different way that doesn't sound like that, but. Um, but yeah anyway so so with that and it, the reason this movie makes me think of it is because it's the cat it's the worm it's the green realm and they're sort of connected in that they all can exist within one area with each other i mean it kind of plays in my mind because partially because of the way the title works in the way like in a sort of like you're kind of imagining uh sort of the cat as a sort of like not interloper, but sort of like, sort of outside force, sort of like working, like meandering, like working its way through this sort of like idyllic place that is like defined yeah. by the the sort of the the you know just sort of the title like lends itself to believing like well the green this green realm belongs to the worm and the cat is a it is some sort of interloper <laughs> within it. It is interesting that this is happening. We got like interviews from the '90s over the course of the last, from like 1990 over the course of the last few weeks, where Brackage announces his intention to get back into film or into just painting work and really only do the paint work and the scratch film work, and we have examples of that. And then we get this, which is a return to phot photography, uh, right? And we get that in some of the other stuff we'll be talking about shortly. Um, and it's interesting that not only did that return to paint not last, but we had information last week that it was that return to paint that maybe caused the cancer. 
Well, I mean, I would, based on what we learned, I, yeah. I, I, I suggest that it's probably not the return to paint, but just the paint. <laughs> yes, yes, the paint over like the, over the, the course, course of his life, right, just right, sort right, of right, essentially right, right. dunking yes. his hands into toxic paints <laughs> yes. for right. decades on end was probably not very good right, for him. Right, but in any case, uh, the cancer diagnosis, as I understand it, happens in '96, and it's '97 that he starts to go back to the visual and. You know, it's not until 2000 that we have him publicly making the connection between the paint and the cancer. Right. Um, so, you know, whether or not he knew that early remains to be seen. But also, it's interesting that when he has, you know, he's facing death very, very concretely with a cancer diagnosis. Whether or not it's treatable, it is still an existential crisis of a moment to be diagnosed. Right. right? And then we get this re-examination of what art is to him because he's already determined that he's only going to do paint films but he gets that existential moment of the cancer diagnosis and goes back and does photography well yeah it is, it is and, definitely very interesting because even in like not just like earlier we heard him talk about going back to paint and like but like there's like a really clear one in this brackage on brackage thing where he's like the only real stuff is the painted work right right like right. that's the only it's my only real art and it's like, boy, man, like you, like, yeah, I understand, like you deciding that's true, but like you do a lot of really good stuff that is not painted. Like, yeah. it doesn't seem like the the liner notes or anything like that give you as much information I, as would be good. What we need is probably like legitimately a full on bracket biography or something right, like that maybe. to really understand, like, to really truly understand the timeline and the sort of the thought process behind something, all the decisions. Yeah, makes, certainly right? something more more annotated than what we have to really dig right. into to what it means to brackage in each of these various editions yeah, of like it. Because what, it's what drives you back that like yeah, it's film, obviously very personal art. That is that is a defining characteristic right. of brackage to me is how personal the art is, even at the times where. Uh, you know, there are obviously times where he claims, you know, what he says is it's obviously very personal, like Murder Psalm, where it was based, <laughs> it was sort of him trying to excise the demon of having dreamed about murdering his mother. Um, right. You know, and things like uh, Window Water Baby, where, where, where his family is his, his subject, you know, those are obviously by their nature very personal. Right, um, yeah. but even the more abstract stuff is obviously very personal. You know, we talked about. Oh, I, I frequently mentioned because it's the one that really sticks in my mind from Volume One, uh, Black Ice. But Black Ice was about uh, was inspired by an experience that uh, Brackage himself had falling on ice uh, in an accident that he uh, he later blamed for the development of cataracts that he had to have surgery to remove, and that's. The, the visuals of Black Ice are very much in that entire experience of the falling and the cataracts, right? Right. Um, so, you know, it's, it, it's all very personal. So to see him timeline-wise start to reintroduce photography after the cancer diagnosis is very interesting, even though he doesn't really talk about that in our experience. And right, I mean, he barely. We have almost no records of him talking about cancer at all. Though, right, really. right, 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 right. He, he, it is something he doesn't seem to necessarily want to acknowledge, at least yeah. within the realm of uh, which is of uh, what we see. Yeah, which is interesting for a guy who seems like he talked to anyone who asked him to. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, moving on from cat. Of the worm's green realm, we get uh, next chronologically 
is uh, Urgrasil, which I always I have no idea how to actually pronounce that. Uh, but uh, I don't know why I, I always say Yadrasil, but I don't think it's right either. I just sort of have always just turned the G's into A's yeah. for my my own sanity. Yggdrasil, maybe Yagdrasil. I like I like the yeah of the Y there, but I don't know. Um, I often say it to that. It's again, it's a it's a word I I'm sure I have heard said, but I read more often than I hear it, and I first right, encountered yeah, it. Is, in reading, I, so. I, I same here. Yeah, this is not something uh, I hear a lot, but yeah. But however. Uh, Yggdrasil, whose roots, I said it a fifth different way that time, uh, Yggdrasil, whose roots are stars in the human mind from 1997 as well, uh, about 17 minutes long as well, and again on 16 millimeter as uh, as I believe all of our stuff this week is. Um, this one starts off with sort of heavy browns and has what you named as one of your favorite uh, uh, brackage tricks in the last couple of weeks of uh, light playing on water. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, it's 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 one of his best. Yeah, I, there's a lot of neat stuff in here. Uh, he's he's even like inverting the color scheme, yeah. like the color on his on the things he's making, and he's doing a lot of neat stuff because this is like one of those synthesis works that we've talked about, right? right. Like he's playing with like another thing I really like when he does, where he takes like some like individual pinpoint of light in darkness and like shakes the camera like moves yeah. the camera around to ge- create neat visual effect there's a lot of neat shit happening in this one <laughs> absolutely like he just does a lot of neat stuff in this one that like these are kind of my favorite kinds at this point this is what i've developed my fate my my preference is yeah. when he's got a nice blend of like what's clearly shot footage but then he's also mixing it with like shit that he's manipulated so hard that like you can still tell it's shot footage but like you're really past like the the where it really looks like a thing in the world anymore, um, yeah. Mixed with like some of the paint, it, it's is really neat. I there's one scene that like blew my mind. I cannot figure it out. Like I watched it ma- multiple times. There's like what's clears to be appears to be a puddle, and like I guess it's raindrops falling on the puddle, but it creates these little like bubbles, like these little dots, like constantly sparking in and out of life on this like pool because he's inverted the color yeah. it's wild it is so neat to watch i was like holy crap i don't know what that is but it looks amazing yeah and i like um, i like that image because uh, where where this gets more poet- poetic and song-like than some of the other stuff we've talked about this week is that that image itself is mirrored in some of the paint stuff that's later in the yes, film absolutely totally, where, yeah, where uh-huh. it's sort of acid burning the 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 cells as well you know with that bubbling and creating little pools um yeah it's very interesting this is one where we do get a little bit of context from the liner notes uh brackage had said that this was sort of a correction to dog star man uh in dark okay. in dog star man yagrasil the world tree is is prominent in that film uh and it dies in that movie uh and he he made this as <laughs> sort of a, an, a a correction to that in saying that quote the world tree cannot die as i had it in dog star man because it comes from the human mind and belongs to the human mind uh and in this one i guess we're portraying the human mind collectively i assume he means there right. not yeah, an individual human mind and as such the world tree is immortal in that way 
Um, but in any case, it's a it's a beautiful piece. It's a little shorter. I do like than the couple we watched already. It's got yeah, it's got that synthesis of painted work and photography that I really love. Uh, and you know the photography gets edited and manipulated. Uh, you know this is this is a masterwork of everything I love about Brackage, with the exception that it's silent because I really do love when he when he yeah, incorporates too. music too. But, I do too. Uh, I, I, he even does a thing that he did a little bit last week and the week before, uh, very very briefly in this one. He even has like what are clearly like tell like video feeds being manipulated yes. too. Like there's yes. a couple times where he's got like, was probably just messing around with like a VCR's tracking, but but whatever. It's like it, you know. It's like he really puts every technique into that he that he has access to into this thing, and I really yeah, I like that a lot. When he does this, it is my my favorite version of Brackage. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, and it's it's interesting because this isn't like a late in life thing where he decided to pull out all the stops and finally do everything. <laughs> like he's he's consistently, you know, a couple times a decade produced a work that yeah. does synthesize everything he's really good at. Uh, and then just goes back to, to only focusing on one aspect that of that in other films. Um, but this one is just, it really, and again, it's, you know, it is also him being self reflective and it's commentary on a previous work. Uh, and as such, that makes it, that itself makes it so much more literary than, <laughs> than yes, some of the yeah. other stuff too. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, I found this one very, very interesting. Uh, and it's, you know, it's not that much shorter than the first one. This one's nearly 17 minutes long, too. Yeah, I mean, it, it just, the the inclusion of, like, I mean, well, partially the constant shift in technique yeah. in the work itself makes it more visually stimulating, right? right. Because you're... you're, you're never, you're not looking at 17 minutes of paint, you're not looking at 17 minutes of... 17 minutes of footage by nature tends to not be too bad because you're dealing with like the real world, which means that you're dealing with things are constantly changing and moving all the time anyway. Yeah. In the, Um, in the more purely photographic works that we've had that are that long, he's not focusing on sort of one image at the same time. Right. He doesn't just, yeah. I think of, he does do, yeah. I think particular of the cave uh, meditations one where he keeps coming back to the bats flying out of the cave as if that is a chorus of the work. Um, but but it's not constantly that. It's not constantly one thing or another, right? A thing that he does start doing in this that, that we see more in, I think, in the... Whichever one is, like, actually, quote-unquote, like, performed by somebody else but composed by him is what I think of as more, like, actual manipulation. Mm-hmm. Like... There's there's scenes in this one not as much as in the other one that 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 one I I don't remember which one it is until we get to it, but there are instances where it almost looks like it's gone through video editing software. Yeah, and the reason I say that is because um, for example, you get like uh I I forget exactly what market is at. You get like almost shots where he like scopes out the edges mm-hmm. of the picture and has a and, and like it, it almost moves to the side or where it zooms in and out and maybe he may be doing this all in camera it's hard to s- say but like he's not just painting film at that point something right. else is also happening like he's he's filming he's, a screen that's displaying it right. or he's 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 
taken a, a further step to remove, like, he's added an extra layer to the work that didn't exist in most of his previous works that we've encountered. Yeah. Where now he's, he's, he's photographing you know, like, the, yeah, he's photographing film. his own right. work or yeah. something like that. He's doing some interesting stuff to it where he'll have like the work boxed out and then he'll also overlay the actual raw footage of it over top. Or the thing that I found really interesting. And again, it comes up a lot in one of the later ones is where the previous image will persist underneath the, the next image and it creates almost a morphing effect, like what we would think yeah. of in like a in a modern, uh, you know, like remember you remember the late '90s, early 2000s, Adam, when when <laughs> iMovie introduced the like morph feature, where like every single like graduation video had like one picture of a person morphing into the next picture of a person, you yes. know, that that thing. Well, he seems to be doing something akin to that, where where like instead of it just being a series of like rapid fire individual. Uh, painted frames, they seem to be morphing into each other. Right, right. Uh, one's persisting underneath the other, and it and it's creating a different effect. Actually, what I find a much more visually pleasant effect. Yeah, which is because it's not, it doesn't feel as rapid fire. It, it gives me just enough time to start processing what's happening yeah. on it. On also, the screen. it also more clearly approaches traditional animation in doing that. Yes, it does. Right? Yeah, it gets much closer. Um, it, it it's not quite obviously because each individual frame is still this right, sort right. of wild uh, abstract art where it doesn't really look like the previous frame, so it's not like a, a, a actual clean morph, but it 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 just changes the dynamic. It feels to me personally just for, and this is mostly out of my own comfort and taste feels more pleasant and evolved in a certain way right it feels less chaotic more under control like like it just does and like it is it, it like and especially as soon as you know he's got a boxed out front you know he's got a, a sort of scoped out frame of the thing going on and he's zooming into it and he's got the thing over the back. it's like oh like you're doing something that feels more akin to like filmmaking than than a lot of what's been happening before which is more just sort of visual like moving art right you're now like as soon as you zoom in and out uh, of your paints now you've now you've added some sort of the level of intentionality that comes up in something linear right <laughs> you know as soon as you have a zoom it's like oh now like you you're yeah you're doing something different here right like, right really right. wildly different yeah. And 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 it shows up a lot more in a later one, but it, it shows up in here, and was neat because we I we've never seen him do that with any other work. Yeah, any of these things, any of the morphs, any of the like zooms in and outs, none yeah. of that. Not with the painted work, right? Not with the paint. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously when he's filming with a camera, he's yes. zooming in and out and he's doing all kinds of stuff. But like somehow, and I guess that's the really kind of strange, not strange, but like kind of like big difference is like in our experience with Brackage, the paint and the film. Sometimes are in the same work, but they're very different entities. Right. He doesn't treat them the same way. Like he treats the paints as like painted works, and he treats the uh, film stuff as like filmed work. Whereas now he's suddenly blending the things he would do in one into the other. Right. Now he's zooming into his own painted work. Now he's like, you know, moving it around. He's he's making it persistent. He's doing a lot of things that we've never even come close to seeing him do before, and it makes me wonder, like, you know. What what changed? Like, what made him decide to start treating his painted work in a very different way than he has previously? 
Yeah. Like I again, I don't think he's using a computer, but it damn near looks like he's actually manipulating it in a computer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I really have no maybe idea. he is. May- maybe because, like, film stock and shit has just gotten to be such a pain in the ass at this point to, like, get and deal with. Maybe he's digitizing it and then messing around with it. Like, maybe somebody bought him a fucking computer. I, I mean, that's know. that's one of the reasons. It's definitely possible. One of the reasons at this he point, did. By this time, if you're, like, a big, if you're making film, you probably have a computer hanging around that you, like, manipulate yeah. film with. Yeah. One of the reasons he did 8 millimeter stuff so much early on and one of the reasons the paint became a thing that he did was out of money concerns, right? right? So, Or being out of money, really. Um, so, yeah. Uh, well, moving on to the next one, it is the Ellipsis series. Uh, we only get real five here. Uh, and it has music by, uh, well, composed by a guy named James Tenney who is a very long-time collaborator with Brackage. He is uh, a childhood friend of Brackage, uh, oh, really? from what I understand. And the on, on Brackage's filmography on, uh, on Wikipedia, uh, it does mention that through the 50s he did some industrial films, but the first credited one as a Brackage work is from 1952. It's called Interim, and it has music by James Taney. Um, so he's been working with Tenney since at least 1952. And here we are working, uh, working with a Tenney piece in 1998. Um, the piece here is called Flocking. It is not performed by Tenney. Uh, it's credited who it's performed by, but I didn't, <laughs> I didn't write it down. Uh, this one's interesting, even in our understanding of brackage and music, because Flocking predates Real Five. Flocking was a okay. piece of work James Tinney had written. Uh, and this recording predates this work. And Brackage is making a film to this recording of Flocking. Huh. And that's interesting. And and I guess it's, it's I don't know. I wonder if the rest of the Ellipses series is like Real Five. Yeah. But it has a very graphic art style to it that is very different than what we've seen with Brackage, generally speaking. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, like, yeah, so the liner notes here say that uh, in 98, he completed five reels of ellipses, culminated in the only sound piece of that series. So five is the only one with sound here. Um, it's the... Interestingly, it's only the third, according to his liner notes at least, it's only the third one to ever have music by James Tenney, despite, you know, Interim from 1952 being the first. Uh, Christ Mass Sex Dance from 1991 is the uh, the name of the second film. Wow. Which we did not see in this collection. Uh, just just from the title alone, I might have to seek that one out. Just um, just wait for By Brackage Volume 3. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not, Here we I go. Mean, the man is, we'll get, was we'll very, very yeah. prolific. There, there is, is certainly enough material. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as I said, uh, and this is drawing from the liner notes, flocking was pre recorded. Um, according to these notes uh, from Marilyn, uh, Stan um, did it this way to give equal weight to both the visual and the, uh, and the painted, you know, his film elements. Um, 
does Brackage imagine that because the w- audio was recorded in response to his film, that like that they don't have equal weight? Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. that like it his vid- some... his visual stuff just automatically overrides the audio stuff. Interesting. It certainly it certainly implies some some other things about the other times Brackage used sound. Yes. And you know that is interesting in that historically in in the things we've. had, heard him say you know a couple weeks ago we talked about this in in contrast to Godard uh that Brackage favors the visual image as as the carrier of of the information here to the point where he doesn't he doesn't think sound is you know he almost thinks sound is detrimental at times yeah he seems to abhor it in a lot of ways that are like kind of like kind of almost shocking yeah so you know to to have one of his final films be using music from his longtime friend, who some music accompaniment was also in one of his earliest films, uh, and to you know mindfully approach it as as equals, yeah, you know it it. If nothing else, we have uh, character growth in Brackage over in, the in course over the course of time in Volume Two. <laughs> Uh, that we can see, yeah, and we've we've seen some of that previously too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I I do I do find this work really interesting. Um, it is visually super different from anything we've ever seen before that I remember. There may have been ones on Volume One that were like this. I cannot remember them. Yeah. If you didn't know better and you didn't like pay a close attention you would swear that you're dealing with something akin to, like, comic paneling or something like yeah. that. Yeah. You get these really bold lines. Yeah, yeah. Extremely I, dark blacks. Very graphic. I I was reminded very much of Lichtenstein uh, in yeah. this and his pop art pieces. Um, you know, there's not there's none of, like, the dotting of the of the three-color printing uh, that Lichtenstein was recreating, too. But Well, we get kind of close to it, though, because if you, like, watch this really carefully... You, you you know it's not exactly di- really, you know it's not the right. printing method but you get the sort of color burn where the yes. black leads directly right. into like into a, a red really or a rich yellow yeah. version of some other yeah. red or yellow yeah 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 it, i agree yeah. it feels very poppy yeah uh, in a way it felt it felt to me like almost we were hyper zoomed in on a lichtenstein painting and just like moving back and forth over it well especially way. since you get these sort of jagged lines that very much appear like like to resemble like cross hatching and stuff yes and and, and, and inked shade like shaded ink work it's like what what is this like it i don't know what made Brackage decide to radically alter the techniques he used to yeah. put paint on film? Like, yeah. But something did no, what's, and he did. What's super interesting here is so much of the painted work that we've seen from Brackage is is of a certain style, right? Yes, and yeah, this absolutely. is this is a different style to that through the bulk of it. He 100%. does he does get closer to that toward the end, but Well, he he <laughs> does cut to his more traditional painted work a couple times in this but only briefly, and like I don't know it. It's visually very exciting. Yeah. Um, I I just don't. I will say that like there's also a really fun little mental like your brain not working the way maybe you want it to thing, where because the li- the blacks are so deep and they're on white, they actually leave a pretty consistently leave after images. Yes. On the white panels. 
when they when they fade away and he often cuts to almost pure white panels almost to let that burn in like fade away slowly rather than quickly it's really it's fascinating it's really really interesting stuff like it, it does things that, like will it give you a headache it will to me it will absolutely 100% give me a really really <laughs> right, kick ass right, headache right, right, right. uh because of that burning and stuff like it really messes with my head and i don't like i don't it's visually very beautiful and also i had to close my eyes a lot to give myself a visual break to like yeah. not suffer actual pain uh but that doesn't make it bad it just makes it like really cha- actually very challenging artwork at this point yeah. Um yeah, the music here, you know, everything I said about music already in this episode maybe ignore. Uh I'm not a huge fan of what's going on with the music here. I think it interplays with the film very well. Yeah, that that's the thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh but but it's mostly dissonant piano notes uh pretty constantly. <laughs> um and and if yeah. there's an access I mean, of this that was triggering a migraine for me, it might have been the music more than the visuals. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my thing about it is is that like it's it's much like what we've talked about with brackets, especially in volume one, is that like there's just this like really extremely very fine narrow line between accident and on purpose yeah. and like the final result, right? Like we know that they both both people here are doing this on purpose. Right. And they have intention and they have skills. But like, much like what I've complained, about, I complained in the first volume about Brackage, and here with the piano work, it's like, well, there's more intention than a cat walking on a piano. But if you didn't know, you, you know what I mean. Yeah. Like if you didn't know the background, you would not be, you couldn't be blamed for assuming that somebody just recorded the cat walking on a right, piano. Right. 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 Uh, and that's true. That's true of Brackage's work too. A lot of times with the paint, like we know he's doing a lot of very intentional work, but especially with the painted stuff, you know, in the end, and anything like Jackson Pollock or something like that, like yeah. But also, could somebody have just like made a mess? Yeah, yeah. This is also possible. This is this is pure abstract piano music in in a way that compares very much to. A Jackson Pollock painting. <laughs> um, yes, yeah. Well, it's kind of what we were getting in about, yeah. like, um, when we were talking earlier. Is like, guess what? Purely abstract audio stuff is also not the most pleasant stuff right, to right, engage right, with. Right. I would. It's not terrible. I don't hate it. It has just just a hint more intentionality feeling than just purely a cat walking on a piano. Yeah. Like when you listen to it, because like the progression of the notes. He does tend to like loop back around to the same ones, but like, could that be a cat just cleaning itself while sitting on the piano so it stays in the same place for a while? Yeah, also possible. Maybe, maybe for me, I, I enjoy experimental music that is also using experimental instrumentation. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Uh, whereas a traditional piano, um, has a sound my brain is expecting. And I hear those right, sounds right. in a bad way here. Well, and also keep in mind that, like, by using unexpected or unusual instrumentation, you automatically gain an understanding of intentionality. Right. Because this couldn't have happened by accident. Right, right, right. Your brain automatically says, oh, there's a person doing this on purpose. Yeah. Like, this is happening for a reason. 
Uh, and that's what I think that's what got me in the Idrisil or it, I don't know how to yeah. pronounce it. And the last one is as soon as he starts zooming in and out and doing that, it's like, oh, there was a hand. There was a there was a, a human hand wielding tools to make this happen becomes instantly apparent. Yeah. And then as soon as you get that, it gets all very much easier to understand experimental kinds of art because you're like, oh, well, well, yeah, like, yes, I mean, the person's playing on a trash can or whatever, but like, like that didn't happen on accident. A person sat down and decided to do this thing. Yeah. And that's true of, 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 of any sort of, I think, experimental art form. It just suddenly gets easier, right? Like, I can't tell, I can't 100% clearly... Without that, if you replace the sound, this music, with the actual sound of a cat walking on a piano, <laughs> I couldn't, I can't promise you I would actually know the difference, right? Right, right. Like, I, I, I it, it sounds mean. I'm not trying to be mean. He's doing a lot of interesting stuff here. He's playing, again, like, there's repeats and stuff, and, like, thing goes through the right. same, like, progressions and stuff. There's a little bit of, like, there's intentionality here. There's songcraft But here. that could also happen on accident. Yeah. And, and, but as soon as you add in, like, a dude, like, Playing around with a like doing weird ass shit on a synth or some other something like that or some other weird instrument or you know you add in like um, you know some sort of found objects now suddenly it becomes impossible for it to have happened on accident. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know. Maybe I should revisit flocking without the visual and see if 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 that does something for there, me. But there is some into, I, you can hear it. Like yeah. again, he's not. It's not like. When I was a kid, and I just literally right, mashed right. a piano. Absolutely, no. This there's is, more. There's more. This is a crafted piece. Hand in it. Yeah. It just maybe isn't for me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I can. I can understand yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, well, moving on from that to the Persian series, uh, numbers one through three. Which, like, why is this called the Persian series? I don't understand. I. I. Because we also have the Chinese series, and I okay. feel it's weird and when, uncomfortable. When we talk about the Chinese one, I'll get more into it. The Persian one, okay. the Persian one was less of a thing for me because with the Persian one, I sort of connected it to uh, Roman and Arabic, which were like numbered series as well, which were titled that right, okay. because they were numbered with the Arabic number or the Roman numeral. Um, right. So Persian one to three, I made a connection to that that I didn't make with Chinese. <laughs> Uh, but right. but yeah the there's not it's not like they're numbered with the you know they're not titled with the Persian number one I don't even know if Persia had a unique number one uh, I can't remember if they used the uh, yeah anyway doesn't matter um, these it is worth noting that this is the one I was talking about that I couldn't remember yes. where it is like where he refers to himself as the composer and and a yes. different artist as and this one plays heavily with that sort of like the previous frame overlays over to, or the yeah. the next frame overlays over the previous frame which creates a a very different and right. there's like it appears that this the 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 film is mirrored quite often yes yeah uh there's so, there zooms in there zooms out there's a lot of stuff being done yeah. here that I did not consider standard brackage behavior because I I didn't really notice it the first time I watched uh, fuck <laughs> World Tree yeah um, but I did the second time and so I see like well so this is something Brackage will is willing to play yeah. with and do but this is full of it and so I was like oh this must be to a certain extent the handiwork of the 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 
artist rather than the composer, yeah. if you will. Yeah, Brackage's exact wordings here are, the film is to be considered a collaboration with Sam Bush, optical printer at Wester Sin, uh, in the sense that I was the composer and he was the visual musician. Uh, and it's, it's interesting because each one is doing different things visually, really. Yes, absolutely. Right. Yeah, number each a unique piece. Number one, sort of more straightforward. Number two, there is stuff happening in number two that blew my mind. There are times in number two where it feels like the painted image is coming at the camera in a very real way, whereas in all of, all, at least nearly all of the other painted work we've seen from Brackage, it is, of course, film being run. So if there's any movement, it's movement toward the up, right, toward the top well, of the frame. And we have our answer. <laughs> Because I just looked up what an optical printer is. <laughs> yeah. is a device consisting of one or more film projectors mechanically linked to a movie camera. It allows filmmakers to re-photograph one or more strips of film. Interesting. Um, of course. The optical printer is used to make for making optical or special effects for motion pictures or for copying and restoring old film. So he's playing with all the things. Like, because yeah. then that's how you get a zoom. That's right. how you get things framed off to one side or the other. Of course... He's doing this in like 1990, whatever. Yeah, 99. When already I have to assume that optical printing is a, is a dying art. Right. I have to assume it is going the way of the dodo, because you are not very in the 1990s. You are not very far away from um, full digital for most of those things. Yeah, full digital. Yeah. You you aren't quite there. Uh, uh, oh wow. At Lucasfilm, the graphics group was working to come up with a digital version of the optical printer. They invented the Pixar image computer, which could both handle digital compositing and simulate analog effects. Yeah, I mean, you can see, like, that's, like, late 90s, right? right. Like, that's, right. you're right in the cusp of, like, oh, we don't need to do it this old way. But, like, so he must have worked with, I suggest that he must have worked with, I guess it was Sam Bush. Yeah. At least a little bit on some of those have met him and worked with him on some of those other works because that is what's happening. That is what that is that is literally what's happening here. So the camera and the projectors are all working in tandem to allow you to film previously created work and do things like zoom ins and stuff like that on previously made um previously created works. Sam Bush I also worked on Black Ice, by the way. Um oh, really? doing doing some of the same things, but uh yeah, uh, I don't remember his name coming up when we talked about Black Ice previously, but but yeah, this is this is a time in Brackage's life where he he is willing to photo manipulate the painted work more so than in some right, of the which other. Which was stuff just a thing about. that we didn't yeah. see a lot of, right? Right. right. Yeah. Which obviously you know here it is a tour de force of that, um, particularly in number two where where the image is zooming in and out sort of you know like we're moving through it almost yeah. in a very 3d it's, it's, way they're neat effects yeah. they're really cool and then and then number three is where you're talking about where it's mirrored in almost like a rorschach test pattern uh but also <laughs> mirrored and slightly off center at least to yeah. my eye which yes, i thought, found absolutely. very I very interesting too. like well, and some it depends because like sometimes it's like slightly off to the left, and sometimes it's pretty far up in like the upper right hand <laughs> yes. corner or whatever. Yes, and you're like, oh, okay, we're doing yeah, we're doing some wild shit here. Like we're really like off the rails. Yeah, really. What's also really interesting is just how 
this is what three full works, but like also um, very short, right? Like yeah, each one's like so it, it it's in, that's interesting to think about too because like it's more of like an exploration of a specific technique in a very short window. Um, like oh, this is this other cool thing that we can do. Yeah, let's check this thing out. Yeah, almost like a proof of concept thing more than anything. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, I also found I also found the third one really interesting, and maybe maybe it's just my brain doing weird stuff. Uh, but there are points in it where it almost felt like, you know, not the current generation of AR AI art, so called, but like. A couple of years ago, there was the AR producing like dreamscapes where where yeah, yeah, dogs yeah. kept showing up, um, and yeah, yeah, no, totally in yeah. like iridescent skins. Uh, there were parts of it that felt like that to me in those. Oh, I agree completely. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and I I think that probably has to do with some of the like the things where like images persist a little bit longer, right, so you right. can actually like. You you have just enough for your, like the whatever part of your like animal brain to be like hey there's a thing in there I yeah, recognize yeah I see a face and then to immediately get replaced and you be like ah but I don't know what it was it's it probably a dog or something and of course you know the whole point of the Rorschach test is is the symmetry the symmetry of it uh, you know produces image in your in your right. subconscious brain in that way you see you know because so much of what we interact with in breathing humanity and animal life is or plant life too uh, is symmetrical right we see those right, patterns right. you know that's um i also wonder if we in the optical printing we probably have figured out why we get that interesting sort of like morphing layered over effect i assume we're playing with like probably what essentially amounts to physical morphing of like yeah. oh well the timing on the camera and the projector don't have to be identical right, so like right. one could be slightly slower than the other and so you can get like bleed over from one frame to the next and yeah all kinds of interesting stuff it it's it it is a very neat experimental piece that like is so interesting to get brackage in this very sort of late stage of his work of being like yeah. hey i made friends with a guy who's also in a dying medium <laughs> Uh, and we're going to work together to well, make this piece of art is like kind of beautiful. I will push back a little bit. Don't call it experimental. As as we know from the brackage on brackage bonus features here, brackage rejects yes. rejects the t- I mean, he term rejects every categorical he name. He the really, man, no, the that's, man, that's the entire number two of the brackage on brackage stuff yeah, is him going exactly. systematically rejecting every label that has been applied to him. Which just leaves you with nothing. It yeah. leaves you with absolutely nothing. Um, yeah, no, but like this one, more than any, feels defined right, by right. the actual word experimental. Yeah. Like, although, again, I feel like Brackage has this joy of making up straw man arguments to yeah. argue with in the most, like, ridiculous, like, no, 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 no scientists were angry at, like, right. experimental artists about, like, being called experimental. They don't make stuff up. Yes. This idea that... Ex- no, no scientists were like, that's not experimentation. That's not what we do. It's like... Yeah. No, they weren't. <laughs> scientists aren't that dumb. Uh... <laughs> Like don't make stuff up. Yeah, maybe maybe there is one really dumb scientist who made a big. There was scene. like one really uh, like really annoyingly pedantic scientist at like Caltech or something. Yeah, like, that's not an experiment. Just, sure, experimental. The word experimental has been used this way for fucking like yeah. a thousand goddamn years. But you know, I'm I'm angry about it now. Yeah, 
and he that gets person didn't exist. He gets mad at avant garde there too because avant garde is particularly French. He's like, okay, yeah, okay, no, fair point there. Brackage, fine. Uh, and then he gets mad at underground because he. he I love Andy Warhol has like I love is a purposeful commodification, yes. and which then, is and then, which is a beautiful critique of Warhol. Period. Uh, but yes, yeah, uh, also very good. <laughs> but like again, the origin of a word has very little to do with yeah. its practical use in the real world, right? Number two really hit me really well on on the brackets on brackets. Uh, we'll get back and we'll talk about the yeah, Chinese yeah, no, series yeah, here in a second. Have... But uh, there's a quote here where he says, "I felt more like a living room man." Than, than his underground. That's that's why you know I felt more like a living room ra- man, which is of course where I was filming. Um, and he goes on. He talks about you know his mind's eye and how uh, nothing he was doing had anything to do with the polemics of the '60s, which obviously the term underground is very associated with in this understanding of the word underground. Uh, says he wanted to express the streamings of my mind. Uh, in a way that was free from language, symbol, or the trappings of past modes of thinking as much as possible. Uh, And it's unfortunate that the brackage stuff that I really connect with is where he wasn't doing that. Uh, I I need the context of past language symbol and trappings of past modes of thinking in order to understand brackage. Well, and he, yeah, I mean, I can even, <laughs> I can even get away from it. Like I enjoy yeah. the, the purely what we, right, we, right, we right. There are occasions where I can, like, yes, yes. But like, my problem is, is that like, when you get into talking about your work that way, it just sort of adopts a certain sort of feeling to it of like, but you, you, as much, he says as much as possible, which, which is sort of his weasel word to get out of it because, yeah, None of what he described is actually possible. Right, 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 right. Yeah. I'm like, no, I no, wrote in my. You're a human being. I also Sorry. wrote in my notes brackets. You didn't shit, do man. this. You didn't. You just didn't do this. Uh, because as much as possible is the weasel word, right? That's yeah. Uh, it's also in this one uh, where he gets he gets perhaps the most self-aware, just you know, out in the open, above board, self-aware that we've had brackage when he's talking about his use of eight millimeter film. And the fact that when he was shooting on eight millimeter, there was nowhere to show eight millimeter in public because no one, no one was right. set up to project eight millimeter. Uh, so he refers to it as an act of making for, for the sake of making itself. You know, he's just producing art for this, for right. the sake of making art. Um, which, yeah. Uh, but that also, he doesn't, he doesn't make the leap to point out that, that makes it deeply personal bracket that makes it that right makes right it, right yeah i mean he just I mean, doesn't you're not in some way or another he doesn't in the end feel like he he never seems to want to engage yeah. with the notion that his art is he's he's just an odd fellow i mean like he he's like he is and he's, he's a delightfully odd fellow you know no yeah for the most part like i don't have any yeah. problems there with is, him he just he's the kind of guy who says two things that can't both possibly right, be right, true right there are, and like and in his own in his own way expresses the internal contradictions that exist in every human being just yes. with words all the time yes. outright. He's just he is uh he is very good at accidentally expressing those internal contradictions. Yes, yeah, absolutely. No, without, no, yeah. This without is being not able to reach to a a conclusion about them, but also without really trying to reach a conclusion about no, them. No, it doesn't seem which is endearing. Conclusions. Uh yes, I, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's fascinating to hear a, a person who Basically, within sentences of each other, 
will describe his worth as but work in all the terms that would define it as personal. Yeah. Then also be like, and then talk about it as pure art. Yeah. Yeah, as pure art that's not personal. Yeah. It's, it's he just he he is a beautiful like walking self-contained contradiction. Right. Which is which and is that's, exact, that's great. Exactly why in the last few weeks we frequently talk to him about uh, taking taking great inspiration from people who turned out to be fascists, uh, while while somehow completely disconnecting them from any sort of fascism. Yeah, and, and just making no and, leaps there. And yeah. Brackage is, yeah. is definitely not fascist, but the stuff he's drawing from was explicitly fascist. <laughs> yeah, it's just, he's just... Uh, he's just yeah. yeah. He's like, he, well, uh, he's just unconsciously reinterpreted what, what Ezra Pound meant into a non-fascist and, way. And good. And, and, and in that you. way, right, I, I will say this. And in that way... Um, in that way, Brackage is in, is in fact one of the most dangerous kinds of people who exist. Oh, that's a, that's also true, though. Yes, <laughs> like in that, like he's he is the like when people get into questions about like why did like what was wrong with like the like the sort of hippie movement and stuff. Yeah, like you could just show clips of Brackage. Yeah, and be like, oh, I mean, like a person who's very deeply unwilling to engage with like the root causes of a lot of things yeah. and also like not willing to like make like leaps between like oh that thing you've been you've learned since you were a child was actually yeah. fascist and like you know no. i mean that's sort of he's just a very di- as a model of kind of person he's very yeah. very dangerous and i don't i don't think there's a place that's more indicative of that than in number three of the brackets on brackets where he says what you've already alluded to uh why would anyone need to escape when life is so short Right. Uh, yes. Yeah. I mean. Yeah. It makes it all the way to what age, whatever, and like hasn't realized that like what he has experienced in to a certain extent has been a charmed life anyway. Right. right? Like he has experienced a lot of like you know obviously a lot of hardship. Yeah. I'm not gonna absolutely didn't. Yeah. But like has totally disconnected himself from understanding that like oh yeah like people need escapism because they live in hell. Right. <laughs> yes. Like, there's a reason why people want to escape, and like, you don't experience it anymore because you've managed to divorce yourself entirely from that that universe, essentially. Um, and like, so good for you, but like, that's not where everybody else yeah. is. Um, uh, and but well, exactly that. It's it's so he is the very dangerous kind of person who doesn't like necessarily isn't interested in necessarily learning lessons. Yeah. which is in a single artist, it can be very endearing. And as a model for human beings, very dangerous and scary. Yes, yes. I think it is endearing to me because uh, so many people like Brackage that we have experienced, other film directors who, who personality-wise I could compare it to Brackage, uh, tried to reach conclusions and ended up being really, mas- <laughs> being really masturbatory in their work in, yeah, a way, yeah. in a way that despite despite Brackage being, you know, an act of making for the for the sake of making itself uh, and making deeply personal stuff, Brackage never feels masturbatory in any No, in any no, not way at all. No, yeah. Yeah. Be- and partially because, yeah, like, and partially because maybe because we lack a lot of, like, longer, deeply, like, self-reflective interviews with Brackage right. where he talks about, like, the fact that he's learned what's wrong with him and... And instead of trying to get rid of those flaws, just sort of embraced it and put it on film. Yeah. Um, you, we all know who we're talking right, about. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, any of a dozen people. But anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 
Um, I have my role. I have my singular, like sort of like er version of that. Yes. But yes, yeah, no, but 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 yeah, like he, he. So in that way, he feels like that like professor that like you meet in school who is all the things we just described about Brackage, who's yeah. like just sort of like so hyper disconnected from like yeah, it's a real modern reality. It's a real academia position, right? Much more than yeah, it is yeah. an artistic filmmaker position, uh, right. which is you know. That's it is it is very late in the game to approach Brackage as pure academic, but I think it 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 offers an interesting framework to look at. It does, yeah. it does, it absolutely does. Yes, I, I agree. And then we also have gotten so many more interviews with him that, like, just him opening his mouth just tells you, like, helps you understand that just so easily, right? Yeah. Like, it was so much easier that, like, oh yeah, this is a this is at heart an academic. Yeah. So, uh, so. So getting back, we have Chinese series from 2003. Yeah. This is his final work. We have uh, two minutes and 18 seconds of this. Uh, he was working on it when he died. Um, I don't think literally, but <laughs> I don't think he like keeled, over, okay keeled over while painting like, this. Like, yeah. Um, it says, like, uh, like, you know, like, watch out for the yeah. on yeah. the last frame, a hallmark of artists dying in their work. So the reason I wanted to push back the discussion on what the title Persian meant to, to this one uh, is because this one's bad. <laughs> I thought it might be, uh, my mental association was like, this is going to be bad. It's not, it's not as bad as maybe it could be. Okay. That's good because where my so mind that's good. was very deeply upsetting. So I hope it's not that. But, uh, Oh, wait. No, he wasn't working on it. He did actually finish this before he died. This is the complete work as far as uh, okay. in Marilyn's description of it. Um, but in Marilyn's description of it, which I, I believe to be drawn from from Stan <laughs> discussing it with her, certainly. Uh, he This is a black background with white sort of stuff uh-huh. coming at us. Yes. Which in our liner notes... And again, I don't know if the source is Marilyn or Stan. Uh, it's described as suggesting or the suggestion of Chinese ideograms. Okay, so it is exactly the bad thing. I yeah, think. <laughs> yeah, unfortunate. <laughs> Good news, everyone. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is exactly the horrible nightmare thing that I thought it was yes. going to be. Uh, which is um, not not great. Great, great. Um, because it's I it's don't certainly not know that. how it could be worse. I <laughs> yeah. don't know what you imagined it would be. I don't. That could be worse. I listen. I think there are <laughs> uh, the depths of racism are infinite. So um, I guess that's okay. I guess that's true. Yeah, I have just refuted the idea. Like that, that, like it could be much worse, which I am wrong. Yeah, obviously it could be much worse. But my immediate association was like, ah, uh, somebody has a bunch of like kind of angled but also squiggly lines on screen. Yeah, somebody thinks this looks like Chinese characters. Yeah, yeah, and the, unfortunately Oof. that is that is what it is. Um. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess the way it could have been worse is he could have written it in that shitty like Oriental font that right, they right, use right, whenever right. they want to write like yeah. English letters with like where it just like looks like a bunch of pointy lines. Yeah. You know, I guess that would have been worse. Yeah, uh, the liner notes do uh, also mention a filmmaker, Courtney Hoskins, who I'm not familiar with, uh, who described it as evoking a sense of running through a humid bamboo forest. 
in which the green and yellow stalks create these glowing shadows as they cut across the su- sunlight, which is a very artistic way of describing which this. Which is a much more artistic yeah. and nice expression of that idea <laughs> yeah. that is significantly less racist. Right, right, yes. Like, it, it looking it's like still bamboo, be called Chinese. totally acceptable yes. thing to say. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, if, it, if it were yeah. called bamboo... Uh, yeah, calling it Chinese and it being yeah. bamboo is still pretty racist, but like... I mean, we're still a step better than like this looks. This looks like Chinese writing to me. Yeah, is bordering on something my grandmother would. Have yes, said. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, uh, indeed. Um, yeah. I wrote I, before I read those liner notes. I wrote in my notes. I'm slightly concerned about what Brackett thinks is Chinese about this. Um, and yeah, and turns I, my out my brain did yeah. it immediately as soon as we started playing. I was like, "Gosh!" I actually, and I was like, "Well, hopefully, there's a good explanation." That like, yeah. I don't know. He made it in China or something. Was, yeah. No, of course. While not. while it is white on a black background in this, I actually felt almost like these were inversed charcoal life drawings, just in the way. The colors were I heavy. Mean, yeah, and, I could definitely see the charcoal apart. thing. Yeah, um, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be terribly surprised if whatever technique he used in that other one that we thought was very graphical, yeah, uh, might have been used in this and just inverted or something like yeah. that to get really thick lines. I don't think there's I don't think it's scratched. Um, yeah, I I I was wondering if maybe it is scratched directly on, but I really don't know. Um, it doesn't look like the scratch stuff we've encountered before. But then again, like we're like five decades of him doing scratching. Right. So who knows what he is yeah. or is not capable of yeah. Usu- scratching. Usually with the scratching, he's he's using, you know, a razor blade. Here here's there's a thickness to the lines that would Right. That would definitely it's it's different to what was going on if he right. if he is scratching. And I don't know. It could be paint, it could be scratch, it could be something different altogether. Um but there was something to me in the lines that evoked sort of hyper hyper focus on the curves of a human body. Uh, Maybe that obviously is not, is <laughs> not what was meant now no, that we get those no. liner I notes. Mean, right. So, well, it, it also seems like that, like we're kind of in a weird spot where like more than likely he just did a thing and yeah. then sort of named it. Right. Like, and that's still fucked up and bad. Yeah. Um, and very racist. Uh, but like my suspicion is, is he just like started doing something and then named it based on what he thought it looked like. Um, so who knows? I mean, like there, there are a lot of curves that it is very curved lines. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, who knows like what actually started the process before? Yeah. Nothing. It became what it is. Nothing about, nothing about the lines in my viewing of it felt like calligraphy to me. Uh, no, and the reason... I, I just know that, like, I know what Yeah, I know from my experience dealing with this sort of stuff that, like, I know what people who have very little exposure to yes. Chinese characters right. think Chinese, like, the leaps that they will make when, you know what I mean? In I, retrospect. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's a thing. Yeah. In it's retrospect, all of that makes sense. But... I was on the level when I said, I, you know, in my notes, I'm slightly concerned about what Brackage means by Chinese yeah. here. I mean, yeah. Because I, mean, I wasn't, again, I wasn't exploring yeah. the idea in in any meaningful way to make right. that connection. 
Right, uh, and it's just that also has to do with like personal exposure, right? Like yeah, I have enough course, exposure that where like my brain went there like instantaneously. Ah, yeah. oh, fuck. Yeah, I hope that's not what's happening. That makes much more sense. And then you then told me that's exactly what was yeah, happening. Unfortunately. It's like, oh, good, great. Yeah, I think the final thing we have to talk about is four stand, which is yeah, I a, mean that's not bonus material. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, four stand is kind of bonus material because I assume Marilyn put it together. Yeah, Marilyn made it. Um, yeah, she. I mean, outright. I think it actually might be in the in the title card, but my brain. Yeah, yeah. She she made it. Made it. Yeah, yeah. It says copyright 2019 Maryland bracket. Yeah, and she made it. Yeah, she made it for for the release. Right. Um, Yeah. It says copyright 2019. That doesn't seem right to me. No, sorry. No, sorry. 2019. (laughs) Uh, 2009. My brain doesn't work. Okay, good. That makes more sense. My. I was going to say. There's no. Does not work. There. This. Yeah, this box set was not released in 2019. That timing is not right. Um, but 2009 makes more sense. Um, yeah, this is a work by by uh, <laughs> Marilyn. Uh, I just lost her name for a second. Um, this is a work by Marilyn, but obviously it is. This is this is really what I wanted. Uh, what I've talked about <laughs> wanting. Yeah, me too. Uh, to the Except context, I'm missing one thing. Yeah, I is eighty percent of what I want. What is it missing for you? I would love to. I I lo- I do like this. I love that we are sort of getting to see Brackage working. Yeah, but we don't see any Brackage painting. That's I fair. would love to see what that his painting process looks yes, like. That is. That is. I, we see him like kind of being in love with using his camera. Yeah, which is extremely something I've wanted to see. Yeah. Um. And just like really goofy shit, like trips over shit and stuff. Yes, very funny stuff. Uh, very good. Whereas, I just wish we had just had a little bit of like film of him actually doing the painted work too. I, I want to know what he looks like as a person engaged in that process. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is this is footage of Braggage at Mesa Verde, uh, presumably filming the meditations Mesa Verde one. Um. And yeah, mostly it's a confirmation well, of process. Well, it's Mesa Verde, and then it's also the desert. Yes, there is um, a little bit of other stuff too. Yeah, I what I find interesting is is that all of this footage, and not like I'm not complaining, but all of this footage predates their marriage, I believe. Right? Mm. I thought Mesa Verde and all that stuff was on the part. Like it's like we went through chronological. Yeah, what time. is the date? This may on. be my brain being wrong. But I thought the Mesa Verde stuff was still pre. No, visions, where we hit the set visions and meditation there. is right after. Um, okay. The first ones, the first ones, shot in '89. Um, okay. Through yeah, Mesa Verde. That one is is also in '89, uh, but the last one is '90. So just over the course of the year, the year after they got married. Um. So yeah, this is this is footage that she probably shot, uh, or, or at least possibly shot. Of of him working, um, so yeah, it does. You know, because it's also on eight millimeter. Uh, it has. Well, yeah, I mean, we have a we have a film stock yeah, problem. It has like, an age to Stan it. Stan Brackett's stuff in nineteen ninety eight looks like it was filmed in nineteen sixty. That is like it's just that is one note I need whatever. to step back for. Uh, the Chinese series. Uh, I had said earlier that everything in this program was on 16 millimeter. The Chinese series is actually on 35 millimeter, which is interesting because it does imply at the end of his life, uh, he needed a bigger canvas. Uh, yeah. 
yeah. in the painted work. It's also quite possible that just eight millimeter was such a pain in the ass to get <laughs> right, by that right. point that like he was living in Alaska. I think <laughs> it just was not easy to do. No, anymore. not Alaska, but Vancouver. So yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but yeah, back to Forstan. It's just it is very nice to see him behind the scenes, sort of you know jostling and and constantly moving the the uh, the lens and tripping on Mesa Verde as he tries to get yeah, shot. Yeah, it is hilarious. It's very it is, fun. It is legitimately very funny yeah, to watch. It is. Uh, you know, as I've already said this episode, everything about Brackage feels very human to me already, but this is this is just hammering home that Stan Brackage is just, just a dude, just a regular a guy. A dude who will absolutely run into a wall yeah. because he's too busy using his camera. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, no, it, it is. It makes him more endearing. Yeah. It, it just makes it like this is just a dude who's super duper duper into his artwork. Yeah, and if, uh, to the to the exclusion of like his ability to like protect himself from danger. Yeah, and you know there were there were times there's Dog Star Man. There's there's other earlier work where he was in front of the camera, right? But so often his work that we've seen has been him behind the camera, him filming other people at times or. No camera, you know, no real camera at all, you know, with the painted stuff. There's there's right. no photography. Right, exactly. So uh so to see him not only existing as he is filming something, but also to kinda have it filmed and edited in a brackage style is is very nice. It's very good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like obviously it's very obviously a different hand at the wheel, like yeah. when when you get down to it. But like, yeah, it's done in a way that would feel like it feels appropriate, yeah, for something made about it. It, it is very reminiscent of those early family film ones he did, right? In that right, way, right. like of like, yeah. just kind of like rapid cuts between him just doing, yeah, various. Things. And of course, it's not it's not as brackage, e, <laughs> you know. There's no, no like superimposition. There's no hyper cuts. Right. There's no well, well yeah. presumably, Marilyn wanted you to actually be able to understand what's going on, right? Like we're seeing a him. thing that, yeah. Yeah, like she's making this for for Stan, but like is also it's about him. Yeah, and and in that sense, it has a sort of narrative framework. And, it has to right because it's about a person doing things, and so like you actually have to be able to understand what he's doing, or else it wouldn't get what she's trying to accomplish across, which is to show this person yeah. doing the things he did. And presumably, you know, oh. if it is actually her shooting this stuff, which it would make sense if it were, but still, she's the editorial mind in how it's being presented. It's Stan how she saw Stan, which is very endearing. Right, too, exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not, not. I mean, maybe actually physically, but also ideologically. You know. So, yeah, it's just neat, uh, <laughs> and I'm glad it was included. It's very good. Yeah, me too. Uh, yeah. So that's uh, that's it. That's by Brackage Volume Two. Um, yeah, we we haven't we have not delved too deep into Brackage talking about. Oh yes, Brackage. <laughs> yes, we could we could talk a little we more could about do that very very quick, quickly. <laughs> We've kind of hit most what, of the highlights. What, the fact that Bra- what, Brackage hates all labels, yes, of any sort because they all apparently are from a pedantic perspective inappropriate. Yes, just <laughs> just I don't know. Just yeah, I don't. It's it's like there's no such thing as a fish, right? It's just Brackett right. saying whatever. There's too many exceptions to whatever label you might apply. So, so labels are useless. Which you know, if he wanted to explore in a philosophical argument, sure. But he's just doing it to dismiss them out of hand. So you know, 
Yeah, he just more uh, seems to like want to try to like create a world where like, well, if I just say this stuff, no one will use any of them for me. And it's like, well, it's not going to work that no. way. Like, no, they're still going to just not. use the one that is the, the, the common term at this point in time for you. Sorry. Yeah. That's the way it's going to work out. Yeah. Uh, was there anything else particularly from them that you? No, I'm to trying up? to remember. Um, I, I like I I was really engaged with them when I was watching them, yeah. and I can't like kind of remember anything that happened after the fact. Like I, it sort of all washed to yeah. me. It was mainly his run through. I mean, there was the stuff about like narrative fiction being essentially garbage in his <laughs> yes, mind, which was yes. kind of annoying. Um, again, it feels very academic. It feels very like a a lecturer at a university telling you that like, well, actually, yeah. Uh, narrative fiction is all is all trash that like <laughs> has run its course and has run its course two thousand years ago. So why are we still paying attention? You know, uh, I mean, it's fun to have a diversion and all, but like, yeah, really, the only pure art is the kind of art that I like. Yeah, but then he immediately uh, he immediately recognizes that that's an incredibly pompous thing to say and adds, yeah, it adds, uh, you know, it's good for nothing but escape, which I also value. By the way, people need escape. Yeah, yeah no, he. Uh, yeah, it's but very, it's just another form yeah. of drunk, is what he calls it, which is right. Yeah, yeah. which yeah, I mean, he's he's and you can tell like he's kind of gone through that thing where like, well, I and I don't buy into it. I don't like it when artists get this way. But their form of art is the only one that they see as having like it is real deep merit. It is incredibly funny to me, uh, and particularly in a time where you know we we frequently had so many arguments in recent years of like. Oh, Scorsese said something about Marvel movies not being true art or whatever, you know, uh, and that within within the element of the within the category of uh, narrative uh, film, there is that argument about what is and isn't art within it, and then brackets just right. from the outside saying none of what you do is art. Yeah, it's all dr- getting people <laughs> drunk on garbage. Yeah, no, it is very funny the idea yeah. that like. In in Brackage's mind, of course, he was, had not been exposed to any of these. But like in his mind, Scorsese's work and like Marvel's work bear no no yes. fundamental difference. Right, it's all right. just it's all just the same trash over and over yeah. again. And of, it is very funny. I also it was interesting to see his story about how he got that first one that we watched yes. on the train. Yeah, that was interesting. It was an odd story. About a very odd person. Yeah, the first uh, <laughs> the first Braggage on Braggage, number one, is almost entirely about Wonder Ring. Um, yeah. And and to the point where I don't understand why it was on the second disc and not 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 more easily tied to. Like, as right. we've yeah, already discussed like this episode, been. you're not consuming this disc all in one sitting. That that no, would be a fool's errand. This feels more like so, this feels more like they just dumped some of the like, well, I don't not dumped, but like, yeah, you know, bonus features tend to be kind of at the end, right? And like, maybe to a certain extent, they wanted to like just have Brackage talking about himself all in one place. Yeah. to a certain extent. I, I do like when he says that the guy who commissioned Wondering didn't like it. That's very good. <laughs> yeah, well, and how he tries to couch it in like in very bra- like, well, he respected it. Yeah, yeah, but like he was disappointed. Yeah, and like, and the fact that like, just like. What apparently wondering was commissioned by the most abusive person possible, <laughs> yes. who's like would just like hang up with you because your day in like Brooklyn or whatever was different than his days in Flushing. And it's like this person sounds like a 
yeah. pretty big pain in the ass. Like, yeah. Like, I know you didn't have any money, but you couldn't find anybody else who could, like, send you two rolls of film. <laughs> like, somebody who maybe wasn't an asshole. Like, I don't understand what's happening here. Yeah. Um, they did continue to work together, though, so there's that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Well, I mean, to be fair, Brackage doesn't seem to acknowledge that this person is necessarily a jerk, but, like, yeah. if I had, I would have just... I... I guess they get along better than I would have gotten along with that person. I think that each individual artist doing what will broadly, despite Brackage's uh, complaint, I will term as experimental film. And and Joseph Cornell is another experimental filmmaker. Uh, right. <laughs> Wikipedia even describes him as an avant-garde experimental filmmaker. Should Whoa. call him call him underground in there too, and we'll we'll hit we'll hit all the high points. But uh, I think probably every single individual doing this is so into their own artwork uh, that I'm surprised that any collaboration between them ever existed. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of <laughs> surprised. They all do sort of strike me as the sort of people who would like be so in their own headspace that they'd like accidentally run into each other on a train platform or something yeah. like not like right. bump into each other as in like meet each other no, but like no. physically, physically hit each other lie. yeah it's just very funny that that's how he get that one gets made and it's just like it, it's just so much stuff for like two rolls of film yeah yeah <laughs> yeah it's very silly um but again i wish i had had that information six weeks ago so <laughs> yeah that would have been interesting to have yeah. yeah but too bad um yeah, I don't let's see. I think we've hit we've hit everything else that I would have wanted to talk about. We've done six weeks on brackage. It's time to pull this one to a close. We've been talking by brackage and anthology, volume two. This week, program six with his works from nineteen ninety five to the end of his life. Uh yeah. We're finally we're finally free of our brackage uh albatross. <laughs> and uh no, he's been good. Yeah, it's until been, they make another. Volume. It's been really enjoyable. I've really loved looking at his work. There's just a lot of it, and yeah, consuming it in this way is is not ideal. Yeah, I mean, uh, but certainly better no, than how we, we did it the first time. Yeah, I mean, you're just you're supposed to buy the blue, like the box set, and you're supposed to just like have it on your shelf and get it out once in a while and like look at like a few of them and then like call it a day and yeah. go back later and like you know you're just not supposed to do what we are doing. Right, right. Even though we made it better, we didn't fix the problem entirely. Uh, um, so this has been Spine 517. Next week, Spine 518 is by Brackage, an anthology, volume one and two, as one box set. We'll discuss all of it in what's... No, no, we're not going to do that, of course. We're going to... No. We will We will commit a kind of ritualistic suicide <laughs> yes. on it. No, no. Our next episode will be on uh, Spine 519, close up by Abbas Kirastrama. Thank you so much for listening to Lost in Criterion. I am, as always, the Adam Glass. With me, as always, John Patrick, Oatari Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.
This has been Lost in Criterion, hosted by me, Adam Glass. Find me on Twitter at the Adam Glass. My co-host is John Patrick Obertari Dorgan. You can find him on Twitter at jpatrickdorgan. Big thanks to Jonathan Hape for our theme song. Check him out at jonathanhape.bandcamp.com or hear more from him on any streaming service. Also, thanks to all our Patreon supporters, iTunes reviewers, and Redbubble customers. And hey, thank you for listening.